and welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. I believe that we can thrive in all areas of life at the same time. But where do we begin? Personally, financially, spiritually, relationally... And often because we don't know where to focus, we do nothing. At least that's the space I lived in for several years. I know what it feels like to constantly be spinning my wheels. And that's exactly why I created the Dream Life Daily Journal. After working through the Dream Life Action Planner, we need to do something every day so we actually take steps in the direction we desire. Throughout the years, I've developed success habits that have helped me to create a Dream 10 Life in all areas by focusing on one area at a time. And I teach you exactly what to do each and every day in the Dream Life Daily Journal. You'll find a gratitude game every day to start the morning off right. A space for prayer, meditation, journaling. A space to write down your clear and intentional dream life goal with affirmations and visualizations connected to that goal. You'll then have a spot to write down your dream life action to-do list so you can be intentionally taking action towards your goal every single day. I know that by completing the Dream Life Daily Journal every day for at least 30 days, you can create momentum. And when you do that, my friends, you can live your dream life too. Check out the dreamlifetoolkit.com or Amazon to get your copy of the Dream Life Daily Journal today. Big, big welcome back to the Dreamcast. You guys are in for a treat today because our next guest has over 20 years of research experience on the topic we're going to discuss. But it honestly started when he was 17. So at the age of 17, our next guest went through severe health complications and saw over 50 different doctors. Yeah, he tried over 100 different treatment protocols. Can you even imagine as a teenager going through the rigmarole of trying to figure out what's wrong and he still had no hope of recovery? It wasn't until he met an alternative health doctor who explained to him how he got sick, what was going on, and how he could become well again. And he started his recovery process. It was at this young age that he knew his life would be dedicated to helping others rebalance their bodies and renew his health. After almost 20 years and over 60,000 pages of research study completed, dozens of certifications in the natural health field, and over 250 health and fitness client sessions, oh my gosh, our next guest is the person we want to talk to. He has a doctoral degree in naturopathy and is just an expert in this field. So I would love to give a big dream cast welcome to Stephen Cabral. Thank you for having me on. appreciate it. Great introduction right there. I don't know if I deserve all that. <laughs> wow, it keeps going and going and going wow. and going. But I love that you found something that you're so passionate so early on because then you really can become an expert and, and give back into the world in so many amazing ways. But of course, it doesn't start easy. Tell us what happened at the age of 17. Yeah, so when I was 17, I was pretty much like any other teenager. I was playing sports in high school. I was studying my senior year to take SATs and, you know, just kind of finish up and, and then move on to college. 
but it was in the fall. And I remember very specifically just waking up what seemed like out of the blue and waking up really swollen glands. I had a fever. My whole body felt flu-like symptoms, but much worse, meaning like my eyes were kind of crusted shut. My tongue was swollen and I didn't know what was going on. So typical, you know, I would get sick and I would go to the doctors and they would give me antibiotics and, you know, I'd get better in a couple of weeks and just do it again, right? They'd relapse and just do it again. And I would do that all winter. And that was basically from like December through April of every year. And then it was allergy season. And then I'd be on Benadryl and Claritin D and allergy shots, all of these things. And that was my life. But that was normal, right? Because that was my normal back then. That's how I grew up. And we didn't know any differently. It wasn't my parents' fault. It wasn't anyone's fault. But this time when I got sick, I never got better. That was the difference. And so I went from specialist to specialist all around Boston. And since my blood work wasn't that bad, they could not figure out what was wrong with me. So sure, my white blood cells were off, but they didn't know why. And that led to about two years of just frustration. Again, they couldn't do anything until I finally did some functional medicine lab testing that showed I had some hormone dysregularity with my adrenals, so my cortisol levels. And then they were able to then say, okay, let's do additional testing. They found I had a whole host of issues at that point, Addison's disease, type 2 diabetes, POTS, uh, fibromyalgia. I had um, rheumatoid arthritis, so some autoimmune. And, you know, that was then, okay, well, what do you do? Well, then I got put on what? A handful of medications for all of those things. And, and so that was the start to my introduction into health and medicine, essentially. Wow. At 17 years old, you have a page list diagnosis. Did they give you any reason as to why? Never reason as to why. That's not really conventional medicine's job. Um, I don't think that, nor, nor do I believe that they really care. And it's not, again, like I have nothing against medical doctors, many of them my friends and colleagues, uh, but they'll be the first ones to tell you, you look at whatever the disease is, and that means that it's off on their blood work. And then you match it up with the correct pharmaceutical in order to, we call it masking the symptoms. They call it, you know, managing the disease, right? And then, um, and then that's it. And then if you get worse, well, they increase the dosage of the medication. They switch you to a new medication. But there's never a question as to why, because if you asked why, well, then you'd go down a big rabbit hole and you'd have to figure it out. And so that's eventually where it took me. Exactly. I, I'm a why guy. Like, I'm a skeptic. I'm like, why am I taking all this medication? Yeah. Yeah. So when did you decide that that wasn't okay anymore, that you needed to find something different? Yeah. So I got sick in the the late nineties. And by that time, at least where I grew up in, in uh, right outside of Boston, we didn't have, well, we didn't have a computer, but we certainly didn't have internet. And so I read books and that was like, you know, that's such an important thing. I try to get people to go back to is read books. And the reason is that there's a lot of articles and they're about 2000 words long. That would take up maybe like 10 pages or so of a book. Like you need to go in depth with all of this knowledge, right? So really go deep on a topic. And so I was reading, it's like, well, there seems to be maybe not just like me, but other people out there, they had these issues. How do they get better? So I started reading about that. Then I'm reading about all of the horrible complications of people that have Addison's disease or juvenile, basically as a, as a teenager, rheumatoid arthritis. And eventually you're going to be put on biologic drugs and you're not going to have a very long life. And that scared me. And so I said, I don't want to die, you know, in my 50s or 60s. So what do I have to do? Well, I need to somehow figure this out. I didn't know how, but I knew I could at least start with my nutrition and my exercise and my reading. And so that's just what I did. And I became obsessed. Nutrition, exercise and reading, because you could really then 
become an expert, if not in what was going on, but then ideas to fix it? Well, at least you, you can control what you put in your body for food. Even if you don't have a lot of money, that's okay. Because you can at least control some of the good nutrition you put in your body. And everybody can move their body. Even if you don't have a gym membership, you can't afford it. I didn't come from money. You can do bodyweight exercises at home. You can do sprints outside. You can do bodyweight exercise. Again, when you have Addison's disease, you can barely walk. You don't have any cortisol output, so you don't have any energy. But you can at least start to move your body. So I knew I could start with those two things, and that's what I could control. So I started there. Uh, believe me, like I made a lot of excuses. I was, I played the role of the victim for a very long time because I asked, why me? I don't know anybody else like this. But I realized that it was not serving me and nobody else could help me out of this really except for me. Now, of course, doctors and practitioners were going to be able to, I'd be able to find the right one and they'd be able to give me some wisdom as to how to fix this. But it was still up to me in order to find those people. So, you know, I would relapse and I would be really down and depressed and it wasn't a good space. I'd come out of it after a few weeks or months and I'd say, okay, let's get back into it. And it wasn't an easy path. Uh, it wasn't. I mean, there just wasn't the information like there is now 20 years later. When did you meet your the functional medicine doctor? So the functional medicine doctor, the first one I met was two years after. So I was in 19. I was in college. I remember it being, um, I believe it was either the end of my freshman year of college or the beginning of my sophomore year. And through nutrition, through exercise, I was a little bit better. And I was also taking pharmaceuticals. So that obviously helped to mask a lot of those symptoms. So what happened was they then found the labs. They ran what's called a um, thyroid adrenal hormone lab. And they saw that I was, had no cortisol output. So then I, t I made the mistake of taking it to my PCP. And they then put me on, well, they actually did an ACTH stim test to see if I really had Addison's. And I did. So then they put me on Cortef. And they put me on something called Florinef for my uh, POTS, which is... um postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. And basically all that means is like a lot of people get a little lightheaded when they stand up. Well, the POTS, you literally feel like you're going to pass out. And if you start to walk up a flight of stairs, your heart rate just jumps like 150 beats per minute. It feels like you just ran a sprint down your street all out. And I would have to like literally sit down on my steps walking up, up the stairs to my, my bedroom. And this is, again, this is someone that's not the world's greatest athlete, but I played three sports in high school. You know, I used to um, you know, try to study hard and do well. And all that was gone, brain fog, no energy left in my mitochondria, just zapped. So the first doctor ran the thyroid adrenal hormone, and then they ran a food sensitivity test. Uh, and those were amazing. So they get me started understanding, I'd never heard of my adrenals before. I mean, who's ever heard of their adrenals, unless they would like taught about it. So I start learning about this. And I start learning that the adrenals are more than just the gland, it's the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis, it's what tells the adrenals how to work. And then I found out I was sensitive to a lot of the foods I was eating from an IgG perspective. And I was eating what I thought were healthier foods. I was trying to eat like chicken and all these things to help transform my body. But yet I was sensitive to many of them. So that was my start. And um, the next evolution was a couple of years later when I was went to another practitioner and they taught me about gut health. And then I found out I had candida overgrowth. I had H. pylori and I had SIBO. The only thing I didn't have was parasites. Like so... I had to work on all that. Then what did I do? Of course, I went back to my PCP. They took me to a specialist and I did um, an endoscopy and they saw I had candida growing all the way up my stomach and into my esophagus. So it was a real massive overgrowth. So that was it. And then the end of that story, it's never ending, of course, because to this day, I'm still reading multiple books per week and really just trying to continue to learn and not never, never say, okay, we've made it. But when I was um, 27, I met my mentor. 
Dr. Pete, and she blended Ayurvedic medicine with state-of-the-art functional medicine lab testing combined with genetics. And then at that point, I realized that there were levels to this and that I was getting well and I would get well for multiple months at a time. And I'm like, I'm cured. I'm good. Everything's good. And then I would relapse again. And she's the one who taught me, here's why you're relapsing. Like you can't, you can't build up your energy stores, start to do well, and then just zap them all at once again over the next three or four weeks. You need to start to do this at a foundational base level. You need to do this, this, and this. So, I mean, I have had many mentors, including the thousands of books that I've read. They're all mentors to me. But um, Dr. Pete was the one who blended ancient with state of the art. And that's what I try to teach today. Ooh. Okay. So you would, you'd get lab tests, you'd learn a little bit more about what your body was doing and how it was functioning and then go back to the primary care physician who gave you more meds. (laughs) You can see how you really didn't get out of the hole yet until you said, okay, we're going to do something that's going to actually take care of it. So I want to touch on gut health because I'm, I know a lot of us are learning a lot more these days about the fact that they say the path to good health is paved with good intestines. And even my friend actually had a brain seizure or something happened where he ended up having some like a surgery done on his brain and they linked it to his gut. So I feel like it's starting to become more and more mainstream. But tell us about why a healthy gut is important and can lead to sickness or health. Sure. And so one of the things is is that conventional medicine, and I practice a form of medicine called naturopathy, but it it has many different bases. Like I I practice bioregulatory medicine, functional medicine, many different forms of this, but we all agree on the same thing. So conventional medicine and, and naturopathy, we'll just call it, we agree on the same things. We just go about it differently. So I made the mistake because I was still under this disease delusion, as Jeffrey Bland calls it, that we were somehow going to be able to find the magic bullet and there would be something that would be able to cure this, but that will never be the case because what happens is over time, we build up toxicities and over time we start to get deficiencies and those two things lead to what we call a disease, but there is no such thing as a disease. I just want to make that clear. And I know that's super controversial, but there is no such thing as a disease. When you say of Hashimoto's, all you're really telling me is that you have low thyroid. You don't tell me why. If you have MS, I understand that there's inflammation of the myelin sheath. I understand it's an autoimmune issue, but why? Same with rheumatoid arthritis. Well, why do you have deterioration of the joints? We know that it's specific CD8 cells causing the damage. We know all of these things, but the question is why? So the problem is every time I got, because all I wanted for my whole life was to be diagnosed with something, right? Because then I would know what I had. It wasn't a mystery illness anymore, but it was the worst thing I could have had because then I worked on the name of the disease rather than the symptoms or I should say the root causes of those symptoms. And the way that I got truly well, the only way that I really fixed anything was by working on the gut. So the reason is, is that regardless of what's wrong with the gut, whether it's too much bacterial overgrowth, we call SIBO, too much candida overgrowth, bacterial in the stomach uh, and called H. pylori, Helicobacteria pylori, which is very, very common, about a thir- one third of the world's population, uh, more than that technically, but in the US alone, it's about 30%. So when we look at this, we have to understand that over time, if you, you can put the best food in your body that you want, but if you can't properly break it down and absorb it, it's not doing you the justice and the good that you need because it's not what you eat, it's what your cells see. And that's vitally important. And the second part to that is this, because of alcohol, antibiotics, Advil, ibuprofen, birth control, stress, 
poor food combining, medication, chlorine and fluoride in, in tap water, all of these things lead to intestinal permeability, leaky gut, increase intestinal permeability. The gut should only be semi-permeable. It should not allow larger protein molecules and bacteria and waste through. When that happens, what happens? Well, luckily, we have a backup system. Our lymphatic system is interconnected with our gut wall. We just call it the GALT, right? The gut-associated lymphoid tissue. It brings all that to the liver. Okay, great. Well, over time, your liver starts to get congested, right? And then some of it does seep into the bloodstream, which causes what? The immune system starts to get ramped up. So now you can begin to see why over time the liver can't detoxify as well. It always is, but it can't do it as well. And the other thing is that your immune system starts to, we call it, you know, become dysfunctional, but it's really not. It's seeing proteins and bacteria spilling into your blood and its job is to clean those up. And yes, there's inflammation because of that. It sounds like our immune system is on overdrive because there's always, if there, if you have leaky gut, there's things leaking into your system that shouldn't necessarily be there. And so your body's kind of attacking it, which means it's sometimes attacking things that aren't really that bad. But I, I have a, um, a couple of friends that had infertility issues and they linked that to leaky gut as well. Well, think of the stress that it causes on your body. So it's one more factor. Like we have work, life, emotional stress. We get that part. But then we also have viruses, sickness, illnesses. We have toxicity such as heavy metals, but then we have GI issues. So if we look at those, those are all stressors on the body. And so when, when there, someone has fertility-based issues, we're looking at nutrient deficiencies for sure, estrogen, progesterone imbalances, and a lot of times caused by stress. But we don't know always what the stressor is, and the gut is, can be a big part of that. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay, so you had this experience, you feel well, you're you're diving into this research, and you wrote a book. It's called The Rain Barrel Effect. I'd love to hear more about that. So the rain barrel effect is this accumulation over time. So for those people who don't know what a rain barrel is, we don't have that a lot around New England, but it is in other parts of the world. And what it is, is basically people have gutters on their home or they're catching water off their roof and it's going into a barrel. And that's so that it doesn't doesn't destroy plants or shrubs or, you know, the patio, patio, whatever it might be. But the thing is that nobody ever checks the rain barrel. You're just simulating, assuming it keeps doing its job and it catches all the water. Great. Well, eventually one day it overflows. And when it overflows is the first sign, you know, for using the proverbial rain barrel that we start to see symptoms or we're diagnosed with disease. But it's been years. When I was 17 years old, I didn't end up with all of those issues all at once. It was taking 3,000 uh, capsules of amoxicillin the three years previous because of skin issues that my dermatologist gave me. It was taking years of Benadryl every single night to fall asleep and to deal with allergies. It was taking Claritin D. It was using a whole lot of tap water and drinking Kool-Aid every single day, right? It was doing all of these things that eventually led to me filling up my rain barrel to the top. And when it overflowed, it overflowed hard. And I didn't know how to empty my rain barrel. So it wasn't until I read these books, I traveled overseas, I did my internships at some of the best clinics in the world, that I discovered that what we lack right now is a subtractive method in getting well. So you can go to anyone in the world and they have 200 different supplements, foods, et cetera, to get you well. And I don't disagree with any of those at all. Like, I agree with it. But if you don't empty your rain barrel first, right, what, it's going to most likely tax your body to an even greater degree. So it's kind of like you can't add more to your cup, right? You can't add more to your cup in life until you empty some of it out. And that's what we need to do. So the rain barrel effect teaches you how you got here, how you accumulated all those toxins, 
And then also the second half of the book then is the de-stress protocol I teach of how to empty the rain barrel that anybody can do at home. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay, so you realize why you're overflowing and and why your body just isn't working anymore. But then to empty it out, it truly is about de-stressing from the inside out. That's correct. And a lot of those things you are obviously you're manually doing. But what you're doing is you're you're doing things that are real world realistic. So a lot of the practitioners I went to, and that's why, you know, it took me 10 years to get well. The average person should get well within three to six months maximum. I truly believe that. That's what we've seen in our practice. We've been doing this a long time, close to 300,000 client appointments now. We have a lot of data. But not everybody gets well in three weeks or 12 weeks. It sometimes it takes a little bit longer, and that's because they've been sick a little bit longer. They have more toxicities, but eventually everyone can get well. The interesting thing is this, is that after time, though, your body does an amazing job at compensating. So you start to put on more weight. Why do you do that a lot of time? Because your body is accumulating more toxins. The safest place to put heavy metals and other plastics and other toxins is in adipose tissue, your fat cells, because it locks it up and it does not touch the rest of your body. So it's a very safe way. And that's one of the reasons why we see people not able to lose weight. So these are just some of the things that you know we're looking at and the de-stress protocol um, are all things that people can apply in everyday life. And and that's why this is what I feel like the new form of medicine is, is giving people control of what they can do in life, making it more realistic, and understanding that getting well should not be a even a 12-week thing, right? It should be something that you get well, yes, then you can enjoy going out, you can enjoy those things, but let's keep it going. That's really what we're talking about. Right. It becomes a healthy lifestyle. It becomes your new normal because we know if we go back to the old lifestyle, a lot of times those symptoms will come back. Exactly correct. And that, that's the truth. And that I, I had to learn that the hard way many times. Probably I'm a little bit more stubborn than most people. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's what happened, right? I got well, I got sick again. I got well, I got sick again. But I didn't know how to make it stick. So that's why I put this together in the de-stress protocols because so it's diet, exercise, stress reduction, toxin removal, uh, rest, which is not just sleep at night, but a, a basically turning on the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and rejuvenate, right? How you heal your body. It's emotional balance. Too few people look at how their psychology affects their physiology, their body. Then it's supplementation. And then it's a success mindset. Understanding that you're sick now, you're overweight now, you're not feeling well now. But this is now. It's temporary, right? You can get back to great health. It's understanding that that if one person has gotten well with what you have, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to either. So it's eight parts. People like to focus on one part. But the truth is that I would rather, and I was talking about this the other day, I would rather someone be 80% great at all eight parts rather than 100% great at three of those parts. So it means that you don't need to be perfect in order to get well and live a great life. But it really is the, a whole well-rounded situation. I was a clinical psychologist before my entrepreneurial journey. So I absolutely, un, like I've seen with firsthand as well, how mindset impacts your physical well-being, but how when you don't feel good, it's hard to be positive and goal-focused and doing all the things. And so they both really do go hand in hand. Now, you also mentioned your adrenals. Like that's not something we learn about necessarily in high school, but yet stress impacts our adrenals too. So what are the seven signs of adrenal fatigue? So with adrenal fatigue, the interesting thing is this. Genetics do matter. So we look at our genetics and each one of us is predisposed to something. Maybe you're predisposed to lower thyroid or Hashimoto's or high blood pressure or type 2 diabetes. 
And everyone in my family is predisposed. Both, so basically all four of my grandparents had it, both my parents had it, and then I got it at 17, rheumatoid arthritis. So for sure, that's in our genetics. Now, interesting thing is, I'm, that's 20 plus years ago, I no longer have rheumatoid arthritis, right? So how does that happen? Well, it means that I'm genetically predisposed to that, but only if the lifestyle and environment allow those genes to turn on. So the same goes with adrenal-based issues. We all get stressed in the same pattern. Now, we have different stressors, right? So I might look at a deadline as something exciting, something that I love, and someone else might look at it as like, this is the end of the world. Uh, they start to like get increased heart rate, higher blood pressure, all like loss in appetite, start to get constipation or loose stool, like all of those things. So the manifestations of stress are actually different in different people. But what stress is, is this. It's your brain, your, it's called just your proprioception. You feel a stress. And then your hypothalamus tells your pituitary gland inside of your brain to produce something called catecholamines. We know them better as adrenaline or norepinephrine in a lot of other countries. What happens with this is that you start to maybe sweat a little bit. You get the increased heart rate. You get the larger dilated pupils. You can get a tell when someone's stressed, right? Start to maybe shake like at their, heart, uh, their most stressed point. And then after that, our body produces something called cortisol. Not before, but after. And it's produced by a different part of the adrenals called the adrenal cortex versus the medulla. And what that matters is this, is that the glucocorticoids actually start to break down sugar from the body's stores, typically from the liver first, if it doesn't have enough in the bloodstream, and then it will go after the muscles if needed. And that is to put us into the fight or flight. It's to give us fuel for the fight or flight. Because when we're in fight or flight, we need a fast fuel source. And body fat does not cut it. Like, that's not fast enough, right? Same with the oxygen base rate. So what we look for are what that person is showing as their signs of stress. It could be bloating, poor digestion, headaches, higher blood pressure, uh, brain fog, joint pain. So people's stress manifests itself in different ways, and that's because typically inflammation is 90%, right? So it's at the root cause of 90% of all dis-ease in the body. So what we say is, but inflammation is not a disease right? So if inflammation is not a disease, we have to ask, why the inflammation? We don't, yes, turmeric is great. Bromelain is great. Ginger is great. I love all of those. And they're great anti-inflammatories. But you can take those while asking yourself, why do I have the inflammation in the first place? Because all, if you mask inflammation, even with natural products, you're still masking inflammation. So I'm okay with that if we're asking ourselves and figuring out, in the meantime, how do we fix what caused the inflammation in the first place? And namely, what's, what's the stressor in your body, like we just spoke about? Right. Okay. So it sounds like stress, it seems to be the trigger for a lot of internal body stress. Like you're, you know, they always say it, your brain triggers that there's a, a bear and there's no bear, but your body feels like there's a bear, right? That's the fight or flight response where your body's responding to a threat that might just be in our minds and might not be, be real, but yet to our bodies. It certainly is. And so even the adrenal fatigue and all of the that's just another sign that your body's kind of freaking out and we need to figure out why. And another thing you've mentioned is sleep. How does sleep impact this, this stress and this buildup of inflammation? That is one of the things that we're definitely getting wrong in our society. And the reason is that we stopped believing that there's a natural sleep cycle for all people. And that's because we can actually do lab testing. We can see some people have high cortisol at night. 
Sure. And I agree with that. We see it all the time in my practice. That doesn't mean they're night owls. That means they have what's called a dysfunctional diphasic rhythm. And that means that what happens is this, and it's the, one of the best ways to stay healthy and really slow the aging process, is that your lowest point of cortisol should be at 9.30 p.m. It changes slightly per season based on light. But that is our lowest point. And then right at 10 o'clock, some people start to get a second wind. That's because cortisol slightly climbs at 10 p.m. Well, around 4 a.m., cortisol then starts to climb again, where it peaks out somewhere between 6 and 8 a.m., again, based on light. So what happens is this. It's very interesting because if you keep cortisol high at night, and again, you can do a simple at-home saliva test for this, you actually don't produce melatonin because they're an inverse ratio. And if you're not producing melatonin, you're not going to get into a deep, restful sleep. And if you don't get into a deep, restful sleep, you don't detoxify as well. You don't bring down blood sugar. You don't uh, reduce inflammation. You can't work on autophagy, which helps to, our natural process to kill cancer cells inside of our body. So does it affect you one night or two nights? Absolutely not. This is what happens, though, over time, right? It's the rain barrel effect. It can be applied to anything in your life. For the most of us, we can deal with a little bit of stress in our life, but then all of a sudden we get home and, you know, the doorbell rings, the dogs bark, and all of a sudden we've just, that's it. We can't take any more and we start like screaming and yelling. Well, really no big deal that the doorbell rang and our dog barked on a typical Saturday morning to be no big deal, but it is after a long day, right? So it affects everything. That's how we have to look at it, allergies, et cetera. So I just went off on a little tangent there, and I have no idea what I was saying. <laughs> well, the in, insomnia and, and really yeah. sleeping and how we need to get a good deep sleep so our body can rejuvenate, because otherwise it doesn't allow those processes like you mentioned. That's correct, and it's the only way to reset the adrenals as well. Okay. So okay. your adrenals have to shut down starting really when it starts to get dark, and then you can wake them back up when it starts to get light. So we were given this knowledge thousands of years ago in Ayurvedic medicine and in traditional Chinese medicine. Everybody just represents it in a different way. In Chinese medicine, they have the yin and the yang. Well, it's a pretty good representation of the diphasic rhythm of humans. Before we had weapons, before we could defend ourselves, before we could have access to food or whatever, when it was dark, get together with your tribe, whoever it is, and you take shelter, you take cover, right? But also you can't see in the dark. We don't have night vision. Again, we lived outside. Pretend you have no electricity. If someone's like, no, I'm a night owl, I, I always make this challenge. Head out to the woods, three weeks, you will reset your sleep rhythm and you'll be in perfect working order. You'll be breathing in fresh air, get in the negative ions. Because when the light starts to shine at 5.36 a.m. during the summertime, believe me, you're waking up. There's no doubt about it. And when it's dark at night, after about a week or so, you're going to be tired. And you're going to start going to bed somewhere around 9 p.m. or so, right? A couple hours after dark. That's it. Like, that is it. And so that is what we as humans were really meant to have 12 hours of waking. We can do our work. We can do our moving around. And then we can have 12 hours of downtime, like 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And then cool it off 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. And you'll already be back in charge of your life. Mm, yeah, it really is that balance. The, the work hard, play hard, really giving your body a sense to relax and like we live so much in this freak out mentality a lot of times and that's why there's progressive and and chronic anxiety all, all over the place too because we're always just a little bit on edge but when we give our body a chance to like calm down and and it sounds like we need to because it resets our adrenals it helps our bodies to detoxify it actually is physically necessary for our bodies to relax 
otherwise we're freaking out. And when we freak out, we have this inflammation that impacts everything. But yet you said it's not something that's like typically diagnosed. Why is inflammation not typically treated? Well, so we're treating inflammation. And actually, before I get to that, I just want to say too, if you are stressed, it imbalances your immune system. So it shuts down something called secretory IgA. And that's your first line defense in all the mucus in your body. So when you breathe something in or your eyes or in through your mouth, um, that, that's a first line immune-based defense. And that slows down when stress levels are up. So remember, your body can't do everything at once. It has a sympathetic nervous system and a parasympathetic. The sympathetic is the catabolic, the go, go, go. And the parasympathetic is the rest, relax, rejuvenate. But it's also one more thing. Rest, relax, rejuvenate, and digest. So if you're stressed, you're not going to be able to properly break down your food. And that's why it can lead to the bloating, the gas, the fermentation, the poor absorption, acid reflux, GERD, and constipation. So we look at all those things as well. And they are triggered a lot of times by stress. Just as another reminder to us how stress impacts our digestion, which impacts leaky gut, which impacts inflammation throughout the entire body. So you just mentioned that inflammation is not something that is typically treated. It's a symptom, but doctors don't look for it, or it's not something that we think of as being one of the symptoms to treat. So it's true. So essentially, there's the root causes that we pay no attention to. And that is the diet, the exercise, the whole de-stress protocol, right? We pay no attention to those mindset, emotions, et cetera. We don't realize because that's the whole, the whole point is this, is that let's say you have a 30-gallon barrel. You fill that up one drop at a time. So it's not one bad meal, one bad night's sleep, one bad anything. It just fills up over time. And the more stressed we are, well, then we take like a garden hose to it and it's filling up faster. So you can look at it different ways. Then what happens is you do get the inflammation. So you start to get the aches, the pains, the brain fog, the lower vitality, lower libido, just less zest for life in general, less ambition. And so we say, oh, yeah, we start. But then what we do, well, we then reach for what? The Advil, the ibuprofen, or maybe then it's the turmeric, the ginger, the boswellia, which, again, I have no problem with. But at the same time, we need to be working on why we have those things. Um, I have a problem with the Advil because that causes more leaky gut. So, so that I have a problem with. But then doctors don't even do that. MDs, again, it's not MDs fault. It's what they're taught in medical school. They do what they're taught. And I get it. That's why they're the best at acute based medicine. If you're having a heart attack, if you're having a stroke, you want to go right to your emergency room, right? You don't want to call your naturopathic doctor. I don't think it's the best move. I think you should go to the emergency room, right? But if you have a chronic based issue, you need to see an integrative health practitioner. You need to see someone that looks at the whole. Because again, an MD does not necessarily care about the aches and pains as much. They care about when it turns into rheumatoid arthritis or it turns into Hashimoto's or MS or Crohn's or any of those things. That's when they then treat it because we could give someone anti-inflammatories and we do all the time, but we, everyone knows and everyone agrees we're really masking the process of your body trying to heal. Inflammation is a healing process. And we see that like if we get hit or in an accident or injury, or even working out. Here's a good example. You get inflamed. Well, you've broken down muscle tissue. It's not a bad thing, but we need to let that muscle tissue repair. The more anti-inflammatories we use, it slows the repair process. So a better question is, did we work out too hard? Or why all the inflammation? We need to figure that out. Mm. And you guys, check out the rain barrel effect. All the links to Dr. Stephen Cabral's information and his podcast information will be in the pod or in the show notes below. Because I, I love that the root cause is stuff we can do every single day. We can get to the root cause and heal from the inside out by reducing our 
daily stress. So what are some tips you can give people to reduce our stress and keep from burning out? I look at what I call the big five in life. And coming from a psychology background, you, you probably have yours and it, I'm sure they're very similar. But I look at it from your health, your body. So your overall body transformation, where you want to be, because that's a big stressor for a lot of people in life. And then, and it's all also the only vehicle we have for life, right? So we should keep it healthy. We should keep it pain-free. Then we have our relationships, and those are a little bit different with our partner or children or parents. So we look at those and friends. We look at our career, and then we look at our spirituality or basically like our purpose and our connectedness to the world. So I always look at first, like from a mindset perspective, uh, what's causing the most stress? It's typically not all areas. Okay, let's give a little bit more love and attention to the area that's causing us the most stress there. And then we have to go down the categories, right? So it's like, which relationship is not not the best? Like, can we work on healing that? Or can we take, sometimes I'm a believer in a sabbatical. Sometimes you need to leave the spheres of influence that are leading you to a negative lifestyle. I mean, if you're trying to get well, and all of your friends like to go out drinking every Friday and Saturday night, that's not serving you right now and trying to heal. So can you, do you have to abandon those friends? No. But if you can't go out and not drink alcohol for a period of time while you're trying to reset your body, then just, again, take a little healing sabbatical. It's okay. And then in terms of your body, where's the biggest stressor there? If you're trying to lose weight, if, well, if you're eating well, right, you're not overdoing your calories and you're moving your body, then it's not just calories in, calories out. Then we need to look at gut function. We need to look at estrogen dominance. We need to look at low thyroid. We need to look at high cortisol. We need to look at blood sugar because all of those things have way more to do than calories in, calories out, right? Because I work with a lot of women in my practice, they're eating 1,200 calories a day. What am I going to do? Have them eat 800 calories a day? They're already exercising, you know, 40 minutes, four times a week. Do I really think a fifth day is going to matter? Not at all. So at that point, they've done all they can through diet and exercise. Now it's my job to help them rebalance those hormones, whether it's blood sugar or it's, again, thyroid. Or So there's the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis, the hypothalamus pituitary thyroid axis, the hypothalamus pituitary ovarian axis or ovary axis, and all of those can become dysfunctional. But the nice thing is this, you can figure it out. So we look at all those different areas. So for me, I mean, the, the truth is that you're simply looking for where the thorn is in your side and you're pulling it out rather than using ointments and herbs and, you know, all of those different things. I'm, I want to pull it out first, and then I'll work on healing that wound at the same time, so there'll be less symptoms. Mm. I can absolutely hear your passion. I can tell that you love not only teaching this information, but helping people see their own transformation, because you wouldn't be in this space if you hadn't gone through your own transformation. I think of if you were still, you know, taking the pharmaceuticals for the 20 years, right, instead of finding another path. And I'm sure your life would be in a very different place. Without a doubt. And the, the worst thing would be that I wouldn't be happy. And, you know, that's the worst part because you can always live with a lot of the aches and the pains as long as you're happy. But for me, it would be um, still playing the role of the victim, which I did was always asking why, like, why me? Why did this have to happen? All those different types of things. And that type of mentality would hold me back from everything I was looking to do in life because it's not one of empowerment. So if you don't believe that you can own your body, so like the tagline of my podcast is heal your body, heal your life, right? Or change your body, change your life. So I just believe that what we can control is our body. Sometimes we don't know the education yet to figure that out. I certainly didn't in the beginning. And once you fix that, though, it empowers you to believe if you change that, you can change anything. That's, that's my belief. 
Mm. Do you have a cool client testimony that is coming to mind that you'd be willing to share? I read hundreds of labs every single week because it's not just me. I have a great team of health practitioners because obviously there's no way I would be able to, um, to work with everyone. But, you know, one in particular, we see a lot of people with digestive issues and we see a lot of female hormone issues, and that includes thyroid and fertility. So one of the women that we've been working with, she's seen different specialists and IVF and all of those things for over two years. She's never had a menstrual cycle, right, for over, two, over three years, but she's been seeing specialists for two. We were people all over the world, so this person's international. I'm not going to try to give away more than that, but they were a very stubborn case, right? So a lot of us, we've seen it all. Like, there's, you can't surprise us. There's just no way. But this person was a very stubborn case. Been working with them for eight months now. Most women will get their cycle back within three months to four months of going through protocols. Eight months. But finally, working with her, just got back her cycle, looking to have a child. She's 36 years old, and we're very confident that she'll be able to get pregnant and conceive, which is her lifelong goal, within the next, I would say, 90 days. So we're super excited for her. Wow. I mean, that's life changing. That is absolutely life changing because she probably didn't know what was wrong and why it wasn't working and tried a million other things before she found you guys. Was it just the de-stressors starting at one at a time that you took her through? Yes, and it was. I mean, we're talking about 20 years because I'm thinking I'm doing her math, the math right now. 20 years, you know, this, this is very common and, and it's not spoken about a lot, but a lot of women have eating disorders. And it starts in their teenage years. It really does a number on the hormones. Then they get put on birth control, whether it be for acne or digestion or obviously as birth control. And then that throws off their cycle. And then through certain stressors in life that may go back to the trauma in childhood or eating-based disorders, the cycle never really becomes functional. So we had to start from scratch. This is someone that never had a normal menstrual cycle. And now to try to get that back at 36 years old, it can be done And she did it, but we had to work through not just digestive issues and stress. We had to work through emotional base. We had to work through a lot of things. And that's why it takes a little longer sometimes. But again, it's always worth it at the end. Always worth it. Mm, I love success stories because if you're out there listening and you have had a chronic disorder or you just, you haven't felt good and, and you don't know that life can be better, we're here to tell you it can, like you really can feel better. You really can change your body and, and it will change your whole life. Now, um, two more questions. And one of them, your, your notes here mention CBD oil. And I know this is something that people are just starting to learn about but it sounds like there's some hidden benefits that could help us. Yes, the CBD oil, what, the reason why I just want to call more attention to this is it's gotten a lot more popular lately, but it's being used as one of those trendy, fun things now rather than really how it was meant to be used because it comes from a plant. So it's actually an herbal medicine, right? So it's herbs that have been used for thousands of years. So a lot of people are reluctant to use it like I was because it comes from the cannabis plants. But there's no THC, so there's no high. So it's not like marijuana. It's actually just the cannabinoids. And the interesting thing now is that there are over 1,000 published studies on the benefits of CBD from everything um, for anti-tumor, anti-cancer, for seizures, for autism, for um, any type of neurological issue. But I'll tell you how I use it in my practice because I think that this is a lot of what we've been talking with. I've never seen a product work better from an herbal-based perspective if you use the right dosage, and the right dosage is about 
around 40 milligrams. So between 25 and 50 milligrams is right for most people. Now, there are studies on children using all the way up to 600 milligrams. You cannot overdose on CBD oil. Start low, but you can work your way up. But I've never seen a better herbal medicine that's been used as an anti-anxiolytic, which means it helps to decrease anxiety. Do I believe you should work on the reasons for why you have anxiety? Of course, right? Maybe it's magnesium deficiency. Maybe it is trauma. Maybe there's a lot. Maybe it's multiple things. It's typically multiple things, right? Maybe it's gut-based issues. That for sure can be an issue. So here's the thing, though. While you're fixing those, we've had amazing success stories literally all over the world. People using it before meetings at work where they were nervous about giving presentations. People with debilitating insomnia using it before bed. People with just overall anxiety during the day. People with achalasia where they're not able to swallow food very well because of stress and anxiety. So a good quality, organically grown CBD oil that's CO2 extracted. Ideally, it's not the most important thing, but that's important. Organically grown is very important, so you're not getting the pesticides. And I like it. It can be European or U.S. grown. And then the biggest part, though, is this. It's full spectrum. Because people are selling CBD isolates. We used both. We got rid of the isolates. You do not get the benefits, the full benefits of CBD, the cannabinoids is what it's short for, without getting the full spectrum, right? The whole plant, it makes sense. You get all of those CBD uh, benefits. So huge fan. I did a three-part podcast on that. If you'd like to link it up or anything, you're welcome to for your listeners. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. So stephencabral.com, definitely check out the rain barrel effect and his podcast will be linked down below. But so Dr. Cabal, if there's anything that you want to say to anybody out there that has a chronic condition, that is in pain and that isn't sleeping, that has lots of chronic stress, anything that you'd want to mention to them? Well, it's something that you mentioned earlier, and it's that right now you're living with your normal. And it's all you know. So I get it that there's no way that you believe that there might be a next level to this. But I can tell you there's a 10x level to wherever wherever you're at right now. And I've only truly understood this over the last five years. Because I got well over 10 years ago. But I got really well over the last five years. And so I didn't realize even the level that I could try to achieve. And it is from, again, I didn't make up, I made up the methodology of the de-stress protocol. Yes, I came up with that. But I didn't come up with diet or exercise or stress reduction or toxin removal or rest or emotional balance or supplementation, functional medicine supplementation, which is completely different than buying it at like your local you know, drugstore or Costco or whatever it might be, and then success mindset. So what I'm trying to do is put together Blend 6,000 years of, of ancient Ayurvedic medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, bioregulatory medicine, and then mix that with state-of-the-art lab testing. We have all of this available now. You can do it anywhere in the world. And it's just my belief that I had the mindset growing up. I had to rewire and reprogram my brain. It is all about psychology because you can't take the first step if you don't believe. And if, even if you don't believe, I call it suspending disbelief, right? So it's like, don't even think that you can get well. Just don't think that you can't get well. That's okay too. Like I'm okay with that. And just enter into a program that may have worked for someone else. Just model it. It can be one of your programs. It can be a book that you read. It can be a friend's. Get moving. Move down the path. Figure out what works. Figure out what doesn't work. Ask the question why it worked, why it didn't work. Recalibrate. Move on to the next step. That is not only how you'll get well, but it's how you'll achieve anything worthwhile in your life. And again, we all have our own story. Remember, everyone in my family was sick. 
We all grew up on antibiotics. We all grew up sick. We all grew up on the same type of processed foods. That was our normal. At some point, though, as an adult, it's not always easy, but you get to make the choice. And you choose a new path if you choose to. And it's not a straight line. It is a crazy zigzag with thorn bushes, some pits and valleys. But in the end, you learn from each one. You don't step into the next pitfall. And uh, you become stronger. And then the last thing I'll add, because I can talk forever, is that once you learn something that truly worked for you, share that with someone else. Not only does it deepen the knowledge for yourself, so you learn it a second time, but you get to share that information with someone else. Because everyone is quietly struggling out there with something that you probably have a little bit of knowledge on. So feel free to share that. I just think that that's the way to be. Mm, I love it. 10x your health, you guys, because you truly can have more energy. You can be happier. You can be more friendly. I mean, you really can have, I always say we can live a dream 10 life in all areas at the same time. But health is a really big domino effector. So when you start to to impact your health, it will domino effect and, and impact all the other areas as well. So thank you so much. It's been awesome to learn from you. We really appreciate your wisdom and hanging out with us today. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. I want to hear your aha moment from today's amazing episode. If you could leave a review at whatever podcast player you choose to listen from, Apple Podcast, CastBox, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening from, leave a review and share with us your favorite part of today's episode. Thanks for hanging out. And remember to dream big.